Hey everyone, welcome to a special bonus episode of Crime Family. So this is our update episode, so we're going to share with you any updates we have about some of the cases that we've covered um, and let you know the latest goings on with some of these cases from the past. Um, So we're just going to get right into it. And the first case, um, there's actually an update on the very first case that we ever covered on the podcast. So the very first one, season one, episode one, was Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. And just to give you a little bit of background so you remember this case, it was like the doomsday couple that kind of had these beliefs about doomsday was coming and that people were turning into zombies and they had to kill their kids because they thought they had turned into zombies. And there was a string of murders in the family. Chad Daybell's wife had turned up dead Two of Lori Vallow's husbands ended up dying. And so that was kind of um, like a whole family kind of involved in this case here. So, yeah, um, there's not a whole lot of an update to this case. Um, It's just last month that news came out that their case, um, they would be going to trial not until January 9th of 2023. Um, This is because Lori, uh, Lori Vallow is currently in... A mental institution where she's been held since she's been ar- arrested for the murders of her two children and her husbands. Um, and the reason why she's still there is because every time, like, there'd be six months intervals where she'd be, um, where they would keep her and then they reevaluate her and turns out that she's not fit to stand trial. So she they keep her longer. So this is why the trial has not yet begun and why it's taking so long for it to begin because they're waiting on to see if she is fit to to stand trial whenever that will be so hopefully it'll be in january of 2023 and that's all i have on that case well it's kind of crazy it's like if she's not yet deemed fit to stand trial now what's going to change in the next year yeah is that typical that they wait until somebody is deemed like mentally capable to stand trial because usually i like in a lot of cases it's just like well they're not capable to stay in trial so they that's the end of it but they're like waiting on her so maybe they just seems like yeah it was just it's temporary and she'll come out of it i guess well they want to try them together so i think that's why they're waiting but at this point i feel like just scrap the like trying them together and just try him first and then when she's fit to stand trial if she ever is then do her i feel like just all this waiting is just like it's already it's been already a few years and like i feel like even a f- couple more years people might not to remember the case people might not like their families just want to get it over with and move on with their lives but well there, there must be some advantage to doing it together and i feel that it might just because it's almost like the exact same case for both of them so it'll probably just save them money and time to do them both together because they're going to say the same thing for both of them basically covid might be involved too so maybe they're waiting to see like how this pandemic pans out but as of right now, it's not going too well, so <laughs> we'll wait and see. Yeah, so yeah, still another year away, pretty much. So still wait, but um, we'll definitely be following that uh, trial when it's happening in a year's time, or hopefully, it could be longer. They postpone it again, but yeah. So that's the update we, update we have for that one. So the next update we have is actually for the Turpin family case. So the Turpin case was season one, episode four, and it was the Turpin House of Horrors. So what happened in this case was the family 
the parents were abu- severely abusing all of their kids. They were withholding food. Um, there was evidence that they were chained up to their beds as punishment. Um, and it came out that when finally one of them did escape and call the police, she was actually like in her teens. But everyone listening to that call thought she was like, only six years old. That's kind of how innocent and like just not experienced she was with the world. Like she didn't even know really what police were she didn't know what medication was like that kind of thing and so it and the house was just it was filthy it was not fit for anyone to live in especially all these kids um and eventually the parents did get caught and put in jail but the you know the story for the kids is still ongoing sadly yeah um so the update we have for this one so actually not too long ago so in november they there was a abc did a special about this case and actually diane sawyer interviewed two of the children from the house one was jordan she was the one who actually made the 911 call and they actually play like the 911 call in full length Um, we played a part of it on that episode but you get the full thing um on the show um and they also show you like uh police body cam footage of like when they're talking to Jordan on the street um, actually in the moment when she asks them what medication is she doesn't know what medication is what injuries are like all these simple words so and then they show the police when they actually knock on the door and then um, Louise and David come to the door and obviously seem very sketched out Um, and then when they go into the house and stuff so it shows all of that which was pretty interesting Um, and they also interviewed Jennifer, who was, I believe, the oldest child. So she was 29 at the time that they were rescued from the home. But she, And so she's now 33, I believe, or she's in her early 30s now. So they do interview uh, her as well. And it's just a really, really interesting, interesting, you know, special because you never have really heard from the children themselves. Um, so this is like kind of the first time that you actually do. And some of the updates are pretty horrendous about the kids themselves. So obviously they were put into foster care. Um, obviously the underage ones were put into foster care and they were basically just bounced around from home to home. There's allegations that they were treated terribly in these foster homes. Um, and some of them are even almost homeless. So some of the older ones, um, you know, couch, when someone describes them as either they're like homeless or couch surfing. Um, and I believe it was Jordan who in her interview says that she was basically released from, you know, the care of the state, but she was released with like no life skills, no money, no any way to really like sort of take care of herself. So she's struggling in that way as well. So it's really sad when you hear about the current state of things and you were like hoping like hoping that once they got out of the hands of their terrible parents that maybe things would look up um a little bit but it doesn't seem like that's the case obviously they're in a much better place than they were in that home but they still have so much um so many struggles that they're dealing with and also there's reports that there was a huge amount of money i believe it was like six hundred thousand dollars or something that was you know fundraised for the children after the news became big and everyone knew about the case and so all this money that was fundraised and apparently the kids don't have any access to it none of it has been given to them directly um i don't really know who's like in control of the funds but basically they haven't gotten really any of that money so it's just a really really sad story um so we're going to put a link to that special in the show notes because it's really fascinating if you were interested in that case um and we actually got like quite a bump in listens from for that episode after this special aired. Um, I, that's how I knew something there was something happened. I, mean, I always tell if I go to our stats and we see there's like, you know, a 
a bunch of random downloads for an old episode. I'm like, okay, there's an update or something came out about this case. Um, so that's how I kind of knew. But yes, so we're going to put a link to that because um, it's really, really sad. Yeah, I was just thinking it's sad how, you know, these kids are in foster care and and in the system. But then as soon as they become of age or become an adult, it's like they're they're shooed out into the street and they really have nothing. It's like nobody cares about them as soon as they turn 18. It's kind of how it feels like. And it's really sad that that's a thing and that it happens. But yeah. Yeah. And it's really sad too. Like in the special, they, they actually, Diane Sawyer, she shows them like pictures um, that they have, that they had at like, you know, Disneyland and stuff or like the video when I guess it was when David and Louise like renewed their vows in Vegas or something that was part of the story. So there's like video of that, of that wedding um, with the kids there and dancing and it makes the kids really, really emotional. And it's really sad to hear um, like what they're thinking about when they rewatch this footage back. So yeah, it's really sad. So the next one we have actually is recent developments in the Barry and Honey Sherman case. So the Barry and Honey Sherman case was season one, episode 10. And this was the case of a wealthy elderly couple that lived in the Toronto area in Canada and so their story was Barry was a very successful pharmaceutical developer, businessman, and they were found dead in their home in a kind of a really mysterious way. There was, if you remember, the statues that were in their house and they were kind of posed to look just like this statue that somebody had made for them. So that was like super eerie. Um, there was speculation that could have been a murder-suicide but just like the way the deaths were it kind of seemed like that wasn't possible um and we kind of had talked about maybe somebody was it was like financial things going on so maybe somebody in their family had motive to kill them for financial reasons like he had cut people out of deals and things that have should have gotten a lot of money so people a lot of people could have been mad at him um and you know, just because they were wealthy, they could have been a target of anybody. And we, we talked about maybe somebody like hid in their house, wait until they came came home and killed them. But there was really no evidence out there to suggest like who had done it and why they were killed, like from the police, really. So, yeah, that, it was like a really mysterious one. Yeah. So still obviously an unsolved case, but back in December, so it was actually around, I believe it was on the fourth anniversary. So they were, um, the theory is the police believe that they were killed on December 13th, the night of December 13th, 2017. And their bodies weren't found until December 15th of 2017. Um, so actually on the 13th or the 14th is when they released this update. So around the anniversary and they actually released some surveillance footage of this person that was walking on the sidewalk in the area near the Sherman home. And I mean, <laughs> The video itself, I mean, it's kind of laughable because it's so, like, generic and it's, like, their description of this person is so basic. It's, like, they don't know anything about him. They're wearing, or they actually don't even know if it's a male or female. They're wearing a coat because it's obviously winter um, and you, there's just very few features in it. So, like, their description is so basic. It could be, it could fit the profile of millions, literally millions of people. But um, they basically said that they're releasing it. They knew of, of this surveillance footage earlier, but the he's kind of cryptic in this press conference that they hold. He says that they believed that the cost of releasing this information early on would have been de detrimental versus releasing it now. So that's why they're releasing it on the fourth anniversary. They're basically pleading to the person in this video to come forward to clear their name if it's totally innocent um they said that 
obviously there was a lot of um you know people walking like they combed through all the surveillance footage from all the surrounding homes in the neighborhood and they were basically able to rule out every single person that was captured at any time on any of this footage except this one person and they described that this person is actually a suspect it's not just a person of interest um which is interesting so it makes you think that they do have something else to make them as a suspect not just a person of interest and so the police officer the police sergeant who's doing this press conference he says that they have like multiple surveillance footage where they um see or this person is kind of in a very specific area near the sherman home for a long time and basically from like i said he's cryptic so what i'm basically able to gain from or glean from it is that they can kind of see this person like walking into the view of one camera and then walking into view from another camera like a long time apart and the, the space between those two points on the camera is the Sherman home so that's the thing that's not on there so they have reason to believe that this person was like like in the direct vicinity of the Sherman home whether he wouldn't say whether they were like inside the home or like on the property itself but very close to the home for any again he also wouldn't say like the amount of time he wouldn't say if it was like half an hour or an hour or whatever and every question that the press would ask he would basically just say like we can't tell you that we can't tell you this so all they released was this surveillance footage and this still image of a person walking on the sidewalk he has like somewhat of a limp or he walks in kind of a unique sort of way so they're hoping that can distinguish but other than that there's literally nothing else it's a person wearing a coat and I'm pretty sure I've said he all this time. Like I said, I don't know if it's male or female. They're wearing a coat and walking on the sidewalk. So it's very little to go on. But the fact that they've listed this person as a suspect and not just a person of interest is interesting. So maybe they're closer to resolving this case. Um, I hope so anyway. So it seems like the police know who this person is. And if they know who it is, oh, they don't. They don't. Oh, so that's why they released the footage. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would they release it if they knew? So they released this footage that really doesn't help at all. So. <laughs> yeah, they say they, they're they like, they release this footage because they're trying to encourage this person. That he says in the press conference, is this, if this is you, come forward so that you can like clear your name, basically. Um, but I mean, it's like a random sidewalk four years ago that someone's walking. Like, do you really think they're going to remember? But I mean, maybe you would like. I don't know. I feel like maybe. I guess it, but like that, the time between the two cameras makes me think, like, well, what were they doing that whole time? Like, how long was it? A couple hours? Like, obviously, they, what are they standing there? No, they obviously were doing something with that time. So it, it, that definitely seems like they were in that house. Yeah. And that's, like I said, they wouldn't, this police sergeant wouldn't say the amount of time that in between those two camera, like being captured on those two cameras. So literally we have nothing to go on they know more obviously than they're saying but obviously it was a significant amount of time but again they wouldn't say if they were captured on the property itself or like but even if you're in like front of the property for like a long time that's still sketchy so i mean they were in the vicinity directly surrounding the house or by the house for like a significant period of time so obviously it is sketchy and like a lot of the press that were there were asking follow-up questions like people said oh well there's like you know, that surveillance footage from across the street that was able to capture, like, the driveway. And they're like, was this person on any of that footage? And again, they wouldn't say anything. But this is, like, the, the still frame that, or the surveillance 
piece. It's like 10 seconds long. That's the part that they chose to release because they said we have other images or video with this same person on it, but they didn't release those ones, just this one piece. So I don't know. They're keeping everything very close to the vest still, but um, yeah. And they, he seemed really defensive in the, in the, cause a lot of them were asking like, <laughs> it's been four years and you're releasing just, you're just releasing this after four years. Like that's all you've been doing. But he basically was saying like, we've combed through every inch of surveillance footage, all the cell phone records. He said that there was 900 lines of investigative actions that they were taking throughout the course of the investigation. And the cell phone data was one of those 900 lines. So he just said that to give them like a context of how much information there was that they had to comb through. So basically saying this is why it's been four years in the making. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot, but I guess it's better than nothing. And it's better than what we had when we first did the case. So at least it's slowly things are slowly happening, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, like, do they really think this person is going to come forward? (laughs) Please, please say get, uh, turn yourself in if this is you like if it's a person who's actually involved they're not gonna but maybe they're thinking if it's innocent but like you said they were they were they calling them a suspect so if they've already done that why would they be like oh you know just come forward to talk to us yeah right well they, and yeah well, yeah i know that's true but they were also saying i guess maybe they were like the reason that he was considered a suspect was because he was the only one they couldn't rule out so they're basically saying, well, like, turn yourself in so we can rule you out. And then you're not a suspect. But then he goes on to say, well, they were in a significant or they were in, like, area for a significant amount of time. So doesn't doesn't sound like someone's going to come and turn themselves in or be jumping at the chance. To they could have a good explanation, though. I mean, and if they did come forward and just tell them, I guess then the police wouldn't have to go down that road anymore. But they could have an explanation for something. So I don't know. Yeah. And they say, like it's like we can't we can't really tell much from this footage but the person is between five foot nine and three quarters and five foot eleven and a half or something like that it's like really specific that they were able to like narrow that down again that doesn't narrow anything down but yeah are they gonna go look for this guy like i mean if he i mean he's not gonna turn himself in but like if they think he's a suspect are they gonna like go look well they don't know who he is it could be anybody they don't know who he is, yeah. And, like, obviously they said that, like, oh. they have more footage than they've released. This is only just what they've released. They don't yeah. know who this person. They can't tell any. They obviously don't know. They can't see the face of the person. Oh, they can't see the face. Know. Okay. Yeah. If you look at the footage or the picture, it's nothing. It's, like, a person walking with a heavy coat on, with a hat or a hood, with, like, somewhat of a unique sort of walk. But nothing, like, distinguishable, really. But also, do you think that this person with a limp is going to be able to kill these two people? Like, it's probably more than one person involved, is what I'm thinking. So even if this guy was sort of involved, it's, like, not... Yeah, well, maybe he, I think, maybe he was think standing outside the house for hours, like, keeping watch. <laughs> That's all he was doing, was just standing there. But we don't know, obviously. And I think maybe, like, maybe it could help the neighbors, like, oh, yeah, I saw this guy. Or maybe the neighbors have, like, surveillance on their house that could, like, fill in the time or something. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, the neighbor on the side of their house could see them walking around or something so maybe that's like just helping like we does anyone else recognize this guy from you know maybe their own footage or something i don't know yeah that's true but they also said that like like they they, there were several people that were like captured in images and this was the only one that they weren't able to rule out so i guess if there was someone else involved how are those other people not captured like 
if there was other people captured, but this is the only one they haven't ruled out. Like, so they ruled ruled out other people. So then it's like maybe there was just one person involved. This person, but this guy with a limp, or this person with a limp is going to like take out these two. I mean, they were older people. I don't know. It just, it's, it's, I guess it's not really a limp. Like maybe that's putting it weirdly, but a unique shuffle. <laughs> Or a unique sort of walk, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, somebody with a limp can still use a gun. Like you don't have to be like a big, strong person. But they, but they were, but they, but they were strangled. Yeah, well, you can still point a gun at somebody and tell them to do things. Yeah, and I guess, and yeah, these, it was like an elderly couple, so I mean, so, it wouldn't take someone that much stronger and bigger than them to be able to overpower them. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, there's definitely. Also, we got a we got a, a boost in our downloads for that episode when that came out as well. So, um, telltale sign. I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, that's that. So hopefully, more comes of this, or maybe this person will turn themselves in, or but I suspect not. If it's somebody who is already been labeled as a suspect and is kind of sketchy, I doubt they're gonna. But anyway, we'll put a link to like the news article, the press conference, and the surveillance footage in the show notes so you can take a look for yourself so that's that one um and then the last update we have is actually from one of our more recent episodes from this season so yeah the next update is from season two episode 13 and this was the botham jean case and what happened in this one it was the off-duty police officer named amber geiger who mistakenly went into Botham's apartment thinking it was her apartment because the layout of the apartment buildings were so similar you know she just worked a long shift she was tired walked in and saw Botham in his own apartment but she got scared thought it was her apartment and she shot him and he ended up dying so that's that case yeah so in that case this actually this update came out before the episode was released but after we had recorded it so I like we put a little piece in the show notes about about this update but if you didn't read the show notes uh, or you weren't aware of the update so basically i know we mentioned in that episode that amber geiger was in the process of like appealing her conviction she wanted a lesser charge because she said that it was a mistake and it should have been lowered to like um manslaughter or like a lesser charge versus murder and uh in november of the of 2021 they basically overturned or they rejected her appeal upheld her conviction um so her appeal was denied i believe it was her second appeal so basically she's still in denial and she's saying that whatever she's a horrible person so you can listen to that episode if you want to know how horrible she was but she was horrible so um yeah she isn't taking accountability and she's trying to get out earlier she only has a 10-year sentence she should be happy with that but she's trying to get out after like two years or something which if she if she was granted her appeal she would have been released probably because that charge would have been like up to two years and she's already been in jail for like two years so she would have probably been released so thank god that didn't happen but um yeah that's the update on that one yeah i was just gonna say she only got 10 years so i think not granting her an appeal was the right thing to do for sure because she's not in there long enough as it is so getting out even earlier would have been a crime on its own crime upon crime (laughs) um yeah, so that's the update for that. So, um, yeah, that's all the updates we have for you. Unfortunately, no updates on Adnan Syed. Uh, he's still in prison and he's wrongfully convicted. So hashtag free Adnan. I uh, just wanted to throw that in there. Um, so hopefully we have an update for that one coming at some point. So, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, thanks for listening to this update. So our next episode that we're going to release in a couple of days is going to be our finale episode. It's going to be a two-parter, and we will be discussing the Madeline McCann case. So it's pretty high profile. We're going to talk about the case and our theories and all of that kind of stuff. So we hope you'll join us for the two-parter finale um, dropping on Wednesday. So yeah, we'll see you then, and thanks for listening. Bye. Have a good day.